0: Hey, hey, welcome back everyone to another broadcast of In the Trenches. Today, we're gonna talk about contests, how to run a virtual contest to grow your traffic, leads, and sales. And to talk about this topic, I've run several contests myself, but I wanna bring on an expert, so I brought on Travis Ketchum, the founder of Contest Domination. And in today's conversation, we dive deep behind the scenes of successful contests and what Travis has seen that make contests actually successful and profitable for a business running them. So for context, the type of contest that I'm referring to is some sort of like virtual contest where maybe you're giving away something, some sort of prize and in exchange for, well, somebody's email address and how you can use a contest as a lead generation system to also generate sales of whatever your offer is. So we get into the weeds and some specific tactics and strategies that you can use and implement today, honestly, if you wanted to roll out a contest this week, this month, this year this interview will help you. It'll set the foundation kind of step-by-step what you need to include, what ways you can use to optimize your lead generation and how you can increase sales, conversion rate sales on the back end. So a lot of great stuff that we're gonna cover and I'm really excited to share it with you today. So without further ado, let's get to today's conversation. So Travis, the place I wanna start is actually with contest domination. How you actually founded the software company. What, what's your background? What led you to building the software? And then we'll talk a little bit about what it does and kind of get to the details. But I'm really curious about your founder story.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, everyone has kind of this, you know, unique story and I guess mine's no different in that regard, but I've always been a technologist. Like technology has always interested me, but I've also been super interested in business. So, I mean, my entire life, you know, it's like a one of my neighbors, I think it was third grade, gave me a penny in one computer, you know, that I tore apart and put back together. And then he taught me how to reformat windows. <laughs> so like, I've always been kind of a nerd my whole life, but then I've also been fascinated with being an entrepreneur. So, you know, back in the olden days, you know, mowing yards, washing cars, whatever, I had this approach of actually asking people what they thought the job was worth. And if it was higher than the number in my head, then great. So like, I've always had this interesting mix of technology and business. But when contest Domination actually got started, I had already graduated college. I had already quit my first full-time job to go become a consultant and doing sort of uh, agency style work for a couple of best-selling authors and speakers. But I realized in this time that I had switched a regular full-time job where I sat in a cubicle and made phone calls, which was kind of my own personal hell, (laughs) to a different type of full-time job where I was traveling and I worked from home and and I was in control of my own domain, but I hadn't built any digital assets of my own. And so I had essentially swapped one paycheck for another, even though it did come with added flexibility. So I realized I needed to build an email list as fast as possible. And when I looked at all the things that we had done that had been the most effective in the campaigns that we had been running, I was like, you know what? Contests have this really high conversion rate compared to anything else that we've done when it comes to taking traffic and turning it into leads. But the problem at the time was, none of the contest softwares that were available really put the main incentive on the conversion event. A lot of them put the incentive on the share. So that meant that most platforms at the time treated a tweet or a Facebook share or whatever all as equals. And I knew that not all traffic sources are equal and that you were really incentivizing people with those old school mechanisms to share on maybe a fake profile or their share and then go delete their share, right? Because you were incentivizing the share, not the referral. And by incentivizing the referral, they would actually leave that share posted or they would encourage their friends directly to come into the contest. And I had a theory that that would actually generate a lot more leads if contest software did that. And so, like any good broke entrepreneur, <laughs> I put a couple thousand dollars of cash and I put about 7,500 bucks on a credit card and hired someone to make a small little WordPress plugin. That would do exactly what I just described. Where it would give someone one point for entering the contest themselves, and then ten points for every person they successfully refer to the contest without caring about the channel they used to do the referral. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and so by doing that, we had this simple little WordPress plugin, and I ran my first contest, and I had a couple thousand people enter my contest. I was like, boom, awesome. It works. It works exactly how I thought it was going to work. You know, it was a real simple, you know, sort of minimal viable product, but it was enough for me to then package it up, take the case study of the first campaign I had run that had worked really well. And then create a sales page and then go out and get a bunch of businesses to use that WordPress plugin. And then that naturally evolved once that first launch went well to say, okay, look, there's real traction here. We've now had thousands of businesses use this successfully. I need to turn this into a quote unquote real business. And so I, I kept the name and everything, but I built it all over from the ground up as a hosted software as a service product that could be a much more robust, have more features, uh, less support overhead, and that kind of stuff. So that's sort of the early genesis of my desirability email list, uh, going through some iterations, and then finally getting to the robust contest platform that there is today. So it sounds like the
0: first iteration of the software was the plugin, correct? Correct.
1: Yeah. And, you know, like anyone, I you know, I hired the wrong person to start with trying to be cheap <laughs> and uh, had totally unusable code and then had to hire the expensive WordPress developer anyway after that to essentially start over. So, but yeah, the, the WordPress plugin was the first version of contest domination, sort of as we understand it today.
0: And tell me a little bit about the initial release of that, we'll say version 1.0 Even as a standalone, even as a plugin, how do you market and sell it? And I'm curious specifically about where you actually started marketing and selling it in relation to the building, because I'm actually really curious about software, always have been, really considering getting into software development, but I just know it's like gonna be a mess to untangle and it's like going through the jungle, probably trying to figure things out. And so I'm curious. I always love to kind of see how people are doing it. So when you got started. How much did you like, say, invest into the development before you say started marketing and actually getting any generating and sales for the software itself?
1: Yeah, it was, uh, I don't remember like to the penny the amount, but it was, it was approximately uh, eight or nine grand total is what I spent before I got sale number one, which keep in mind, I mean, that was really trimming down and trying to avoid feature creep as much as possible. The first two grand of that was totally wasted by hiring the wrong people, trying to be cheap. So my recommendation, you know, I I keep learning this lesson over and over the hard way, which is pay the right person to do it the first time because you'll end up paying them anyway and it'll just cost you more in the long run because you will have paid for the crap result and then you will have gone to pay the real deal anyway. So just skip the bad experience in, in the front end. But even with those mistakes, you know, under 10 grand, you know, like I said, a fair amount of that was on a credit card, which was kind of scary. And then once I had proven I had my own results, then I worked on you know, putting together a sales page, which I, at the time I had to hire someone to help me build a little WordPress sales page even because I was really novice on that. The delivery mechanisms were super simple. I mean, it, it wasn't some big fancy membership area. It was literally like if someone bought on ClickBank at the time, <laughs> it just added them to an AWeber list and it had a naked Amazon S3 link to download the zip file. I mean, it was really basic on delivery, partly because of lack of knowledge, partly because of time, and partly because of cost. Uh, trying to keep all of those things as short as possible. And then I literally, you know, just shared it on my Facebook page. I had had a couple hundred email subscribers prior to my first contest of marketers that I sent it out to. And then I had a friend that had a medium sized list of bloggers. And I said, Hey, we have this new thing. Um, I haven't really tested it, but would you mind sharing with your audience for a commission? So they promoted it and, you know, we sold a handful of copies, but it, it was just to get the very first few people in the door, which was a big deal. And then, you know, asking those first few people, being very hands-on, saying, "Hey, how can I help you install it? How can I help you run it? How can we help you run something?" You know, you want to be a case study, all of those kind of things. And once I had the first couple customers in, they were willing to give us case studies. Then I partnered with a, a larger affiliate manager, and we did what is sort of traditionally known as like a regular launch, right, where he went out and got a whole bunch of affiliates that were going to help promote it on a special seven-day sale kind of thing and so that's what got us our first couple thousand customers but it you know i had to pay a huge percentage not only to the affiliates but then also the affiliate manager gets a cut et cetera, et cetera. and so it it was worth it but there wasn't a ton of profit out in those first couple months but there was enough to prove that there's momentum there was enough to get me my first couple thousand paying customers right they only paid once but they were on my email list and they had paid me before So then I could promote other offers to them or get their feedback on a newer version that we could work on. So that all of that effort and work, I would really probably say it was just about a break-even sort of activity. You know, I was able to put a couple thousand dollars away outside of my expenses, but it was really just work to lead up to being in a position to build the software as a service version that we have today that that was able to kick off and be quite successful since then.
0: Got it. So if I understand correctly, that was the sales you were getting early as well, where they were one-off sales or were they recurring right from the
1: kickoff? They were one-off sales when it was a plugin. And then we created, and we did some add-ons to increase the average transaction value, like, you know, having a, you know, getting a client license to be able to use it with clients and those kind of things. But even all of that was one-time, i would consider at this point low ticket sales but it was it was enough to get people in the door get them using it get that feedback loop going get case studies get a bunch of feedback on what a future product should be on a future version of it and take that into account as we build something much more robust
0: very interesting cool and so you know it's i do love hearing how people kind of bootstrap software companies and I found in my experience, and granted, I'm, I am kind of in the affiliate space. So that is, I'm kind of biased towards that. Maybe that's what I see, but I, I find that most, if not, well, let's say a large, it seems like a large percentage of of people bootstrapping or growing software companies find some really great leverage by, or get some growth, early growth and some big growth by leveraging affiliates, oftentimes early on. And it sounds like you kind of did that too. I'm curious if you have any other insights into how that's maybe evolved if you're still using affiliates, and then also kind of what your your main marketing channels have been now you guys got, you know, the first couple thousand customers.
1: Yeah, so I mean, affiliates play a great role, but I found them over the longer arc just personally, and I know a lot of people have very different experiences than I do, but personally, as you start to scale up and as the offers become more expensive and things like that, that it's kind of a pain <laughs> to work with a bunch of affiliates. Mainly because if you look at the percentage that you have to pay to make it happen, and then even if someone says they're going to promote, you kind of gotta like chase them down about it. Even if you're even if you're paying them really well, even if you're paying them instantly, it's not something that you really control because there's there's a human element there, which for some people works very well and they really enjoy that component. Other people like myself find it a little bit frustrating. Whereas doing things that you do have control over, such as content marketing and advertising and those kind of things while also expensive and time-consuming, tend to have more of a compounding effect. So affiliates can be a quick pop of cash, a quick influx of sales, but it is very infrequent in my experience that an affiliate will continue to send you a meaningful amount of sales over a long period of time. Whereas the content marketing and advertising side of it, you have a little bit more control and you can repurpose content marketing in ways that will pay dividends again and again and again and again. So affiliates are a fantastic way to get started because if someone's having a hard time being convinced and you're in the early days, we just bump that percentage up higher to where they're essentially, you know, being in a position where they're getting a lot of the upside as if they were the product owner without any of the downside, which is the support and fulfillment, you know, and all the other sort of uh aspects of being a product owner. And it's worth it to you as the actual product owner in the early days to pay out such a heavy-handed percentage because that first traction, those first case studies, those fit building that first actual customers are so vitally important to the next steps that it totally makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. And, and yeah, there's def- definitely downsides, but I think there's downsides to, you know, any, any marketing channel will have its downsides and, and different, I guess that's part of like weighing the cost benefit of moving in a direction like that. I think what's interesting about how you use them was, it seems like that was one of the fastest ways to get in front of, your potential target market to validate the idea and get initial sales and maybe even get enough customers where you could then iterate the software build in the the features that were crucial get the case studies and then grow from there and then you were able to sounds like reinvest into the content marketing piece and some of these things that take a little longer to really benefit from
1: totally yeah because at the time i mean if i'm putting so much of the development on the credit card that should sort of highlight that in some ways it was kind of a bit of a hail mary pass right it's like I really kind of need this to work. And it did. And totally, I mean, affiliates are one of the fastest ways to get sales in the door that generate revenue profitably, generally, because you're only paying when a sale actually occurs. So it is a great, great tool. It's a great additive thing. I think a lot of people have been really successful. I think as you scale, you have to kind of ask yourself, like, what are my strengths as an individual? Like, what things do I enjoy doing that produce results? What aspects of the business can I excel at better than others? And for some people, that is going to continue to be affiliates. I know people that have giant businesses that are almost exclusively you know, centered around working with affiliates. And then you have other people that almost exclusively work with ads, you know, people that almost exclusively do SEO, right? And so there's all these different ways, of course, of building your business, but you just have to find the mix that fits with your personality, your business type, your customer persona, et cetera. Part of that just comes down to kind of testing. Yep. Yep. I love that. Okay, so now with where you guys are at, how much also did you use the software
0: to grow your own platform and to sell the software? Because it's kind of set up that way to some degree. So I'm curious how often you guys were maybe doing contests and things like that.
1: Yeah, contests work well, especially, you know, out of the gate because you know, they they are so, such an explosive way to build a list, especially early on. And then it's a little bit self-fulfilling because we would also run them as, you know, when six months of contest domination, when people would hit the site, it'd be a sort of a demo, but then what do they do for a demo? They enter their they enter their lead information, and share it with their friends. <laughs> so that certainly helped as well. But the the mechanics work in any kind of vertical, but we were able to pretty quickly and easily duplicate that over and over and over to help bring in more leads, demo the software, talk about the benefits, and then eventually convert them into customers. Got it. Okay. Very interesting.
0: So tell me a little bit about how This use of contests or how the use of contests, let's talk a little bit about how that can help businesses, like how we might be able to apply that. I'm also curious from the perspective of it's 2018 when we're recording this interview, how effective are contests and how do we have to position the contest or set it up to ensure it actually, well, does its job and helps us kind of achieve the specific goals or objectives we set out? before we kind of launch it?
1: Yeah, so I mean, contests, when you enter to run a contest of any kind, it's really important to ask yourself, like, what is my goal of running this contest? And for us, that goal has pretty much always been, I want to get leads that are interested in what I do and sell. Because there's a lot of other goals that can happen with a contest, but you can only have one true number one priority, right? So, I mean, if your goal is just to build up Facebook likes, we aren't the best platform for you. You will get more Facebook likes as a result of running contests on our platform, but that was not the ethos of why we built our software. And so when you look at that, you take that step further, you say, I want to run a contest that that gets me people interested in what I do and sell. That starts to design the way that you even create your contest to start with. And the great part is, is that contests have been effective for seemingly forever, right? I mean, long before the quote-unquote internet marketers were a thing, you know, people were putting in business cards for entering contests, et cetera, right? Dropping them in the fishbowl. So the concept of contests are actually pretty old. But the concept of contests for generating qualified leads really comes down to two things. One is your prize has to do a lot of the pre-qualification for you. So, I mean, the example I like to give is If you're giving away an iPad, which a lot of people will say, I'll give away an iPad, but you want to get people that want to lose 20 pounds, an iPad's probably not the right price, right? Because it does nothing to pre-qualify people who actually want to lose weight, right? And it does nothing to disqualify those who don't. So a better example would be three months with a personal trainer or six months access to your local gym as prizes that would actually be focused on selling gym memberships or getting personal trainer clients as opposed to an iPad, which is very generic and doesn't really do that. The second element is you need to have in mind a way of convincing people who do sign up for that kind of contest, how are you going to activate them to become an actual customer with an irresistible offer? And a lot of that is predicated on what the actual prize itself was. So if we're keeping with the fitness example, your activation offer might be, you know, your first month at the gym is a buck or your first 10 personal trainer sessions are 50% off or some kind of offer that is directly correlated to the prize that is going to be a no-brainer for those who have essentially self-selected, raised their hand based on the prize to want exactly what it is that you're trying to sell. So in 2018, that strategy is really the same and has continued to work for customers in all different verticals as long as they get those two main elements right. There's obviously a whole You know, there's hundreds of things you can do to optimize in between those two goalposts. But if you get your prize right and you have an irresistible activation offer that is in line with that prize, you're generally going to do pretty well out of the gate.
0: What have you found in terms of promoting contests to get to drive more, we'll say leads and, and then maybe we can tie that into sales too, because hopefully there's a correlation. But I'm curious how you, what do you recommend or what you've seen from people who use your software that get the best results? when it comes to like the difference between a contest that really
1: crushes it and one that just kind of fizzles. Like as far as their actual promotion methods?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious if there's anything you've seen that works, typically works really well to drive signups for contests.
1: Sure, so I mean, the low-hanging fruit is whatever audience you have already is a great place to start because contests may be the catalyst to turn people that are actually your fans but have never had an incentive to become advocates before it gives them a reason to do so. An example is a number of years ago, we helped Andrew Warner of Mixer G run a contest where he gave away access to Mixer G Premium. And we found a bunch of people that came out of the woodwork that were posting on Facebook and they'd say things like, I've been a fan of listening to Mixer G for four plus years. I've never posted about it before, but you can get Mixer G Premium here. You'd be stupid not to enter this contest. And so that's a great example of someone on his list that liked his work, but had never up until that point had a reason to share it with their friends, okay? So that's low-hanging fruit number one. You can compound those results, of course, by using advertising, but the linchpin, in my opinion, of what can make a contest really knock out of the park is using what we call contest sponsors, and sponsors can be used in several ways. But one of the most interesting ways that you can use it is you can actually convince other people that have the same customer avatar as you but are not a direct competitor, to send their customers to your contest. And you can do that by giving them reciprocal promotion on the back end of your contest. So let's say you go to you know sponsor number one and you say, hey, look, sponsor number one, I'm giving away this awesome prize, right? I'm gonna spend X amount of dollars getting this prize together. I'm gonna spend X amount of dollars on advertising. I'm gonna send it to my existing customer list of so many thousand people I would love for you to also be a sponsor in this contest where you share it with your audience and your customers. And in exchange, I will promote one of your things on the back end. So it's sort of a rising tide floats all boats type scenario. And you can add in multiple of these sponsors into the mix, right? We usually suggest anywhere from three to five additional sponsors, which can mean a whole boatload of traffic from people who have already been pre-qualified and pre-selected and shown that they have interest in your category are now entering your contest, right? They've already been pre-vetted. And in exchange, you're just sending reciprocal traffic. And at the end of the day, everyone walks away with more leads and customers. It's a pretty fantastic strategy, in my opinion. And if you look at the way that it's worked for people in real life, sometimes it can triple or you know quadruple the results that they actually got with their contest just by sending a couple easy emails saying, look, we're doing this thing already, would you mind sharing with your audience and in exchange? We'll promote you several times on the back end and we'll promote you on our winner announcement page. And you'd be shocked how many people would actually say yes.
0: Very interesting. Yeah. And would you typically, if you were to do something like this, or if you were to, you know, advise in terms of like how somebody structure this and using this technique with sponsorship, would you recommend like one sponsor or multiple? It does like, is there any do you have any opinion on that or is there any? Data to back up, like one is going to be more fruitful or useful than multiple sponsors or multiple, like a a bundle of things?
1: Well, obviously, there's going to be diminishing returns with anything at a certain point. But we like the idea of having multiple sponsors involved because the cross pollination means that everyone gets more exposure. Having one sponsor means that they will get a more concerted effort on the back end as far as the reciprocal promotion. But by having multiple sponsors in play, generally, the diffused focus is offset by the much larger audience that it gets shown to in the first place. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it does. That's interesting. Okay, and then on that side of things, I'm curious, what helps the actual generating more sales from a contest? I know you've you've touched on that a little bit, but I'm curious if you could drill down into that as well. Like things I should either, like maybe things that should definitely be avoided or things that are really important to do to not only generate a lot of referrals and a lot of traffic and a lot of opt-ins or subscribers or or leads, but to actually convert them, to turn them into generate actual sales from that. Anything that you recommend in terms of like how that should be executed?
1: Sure. You can always do kind of a a soft touch activation offer during the contest about, you know, attend this automated webinar or attend this live training or whatever. But the main conversion event is actually at the end of the contest where it's the winner announcement sequence. And so we always sort of cringe when we see support tickets come in, people saying, okay, I emailed all the contestants and told them that XYZ person won, now what do I do? It's like, oh man, you just lost like the biggest golden opportunity you've had probably in a decade <laughs> of marketing because what you want to do is you want to capture the interest and intrigue because people want to know if they won. And so what you do is you send an email along the lines of you know where the subject says, and the winner is dot, dot, dot. And the sub actual body part of the, of the email, you keep it real short and sweet, but you can say essentially, you know, we're really excited about the contest. We had all, of you will enter. It was a really fun experience. We can't wait to let you know who won. And you put a link, you say, click here to find out if you won. And when they click that, they end up on an actual landing page that announces who the winner is. But the rub here is that you don't just say, okay, this was the winner. Now go home. You say, this was the winner of our personal trainer session, but we had so much fun doing this and we wanted to thank you for your time and effort and energy of entering the contest and sharing with your friends that we wanted everyone to walk away with something. So for everyone who isn't the grand prize winner or isn't one of our top five winners, what you do get is a 50% discount on a six-month gym membership if you purchase in the next 72 hours. As an example, you you can obviously mix and match whatever the timeline and discount is or maybe it's a bonus. But the whole point is you're making a special offer as a consolation prize to everyone who isn't actually a quote-unquote winner at the top of the stack.
0: Mm, I was just taking some notes. That's good. And how, when you roll this out, so you said there's like a sequence. That To me, that sounded pretty straightforward. It was like essentially one email. But do you recommend anything else that would be like additional emails? Anything else we could support if we're using this kind of contest and we're using this technique. We're sending that email out, sending them to a landing page or the sales page with the winner plus that exclusive or limited time offer. Anything else you might supplement that with to generate more sales? Would you do any kind of follow-up email sequence? Would you do any kind of tagging or segment or anything like that?
1: Yeah. So follow-up sequences are, are obviously, uh, you know, an easy thing. there. Sending to unopens re and the winner is, you know, Hey, looks like you didn't get the last email. Meet, see if you're the winner to claim your prize that kind of stuff. But what we actually find is with that, that short, simple, and sweet email, it's not uncommon for open rates on that email to be north of 50% and for the click rate to be you know, near on 100%, you know, 98 know, 99% click rate of those who open. So if you've been emailing for a while, you know that open rates north of 50% on a sizable sized email list are pretty impressive. So you're going to get a huge rush of traffic to this offer page right out of the gate. And then of course you want to follow up with unopens and non-engagers and that kind of stuff. And then once you, once you've pushed out a little bit harder, then it goes towards, Hey, this offer is going away. That 72 hour special offer you're 50% off the six months of gym membership, whatever. Then it becomes the scarcity play because first it's interest and intrigue. And then you, you transition over to the scarcity side of it of the exclusive offer for them as contestants going away.
0: That's awesome. That's, I mean, that's super practical too. I, I think anybody listening to this can apply that right away. And I think it actually really applies to any any type of campaign you might be doing where there's a, a special offer. So it sounds like immediately valuable contest or a giveaway or something like this. But I think the fundamentals of that are appropriate across like really any campaign where you're doing this kind of limited time discount. But it's, I really do like this. It seems like it's, particularly suited for this kind of contest and depending on what you're giving away.
1: Yeah. The biggest change here compared to any other campaign is the fact that you have their interest because they really want to know if they won, right? If they took the time and effort to enter, they have a little bit of skin in the game in their mind of time and attention. And so they want to know if they won. (laughs) Anytime I see a contest that doesn't leverage that at the end, it makes me want to (laughs) scream. So whether it's on our platform or not, it's just like, man, this is such a huge missed opportunity of you grabbing their attention. Because like I said, it's quite common for that email to have an open rate at north of 50%, regardless of the size of the contest. So we've seen contests that have had hundreds of thousands of people enter and they'll get north of 50% open rates and 98% click rates. So that means that they're getting, you know, 100,000 plus people see their offer the day that the contest ends. You see what I'm saying? And that is a huge shift from just, hey, thanks for entering our contest Here's this 50% discount. No, no, no. You're getting, you're selling the click in the email with a ton of interest and intrigue. And then on that landing page, we even go so far as, as to have the headline on that page to just be hard coded to say, Congratulations, you're a winner. Because it's saying, Hey, these are our grand prize winners, but everyone is winning this special offer.
0: I like that. And I'm just thinking to myself, probably what would work really, really well in this context as well is if there's a video on that page and that's where you announce who the winners are. Have you seen anything like that? Because then it's like, then you can put the offer in front of people too, right away. And it's, it's like kind of forced. They can't just skim over it and click off. They'd have to watch, you know, maybe that two or three minute video about kind of what you're doing or what the thing is that everybody's won. And then you announce the grand prize. Have you seen anything like that? Have you done that?
1: Yeah, actually uh, in our premium training, we actually give templates, landing page templates. And that is exactly what we have in it. It's uh, basically a sales page or the video up top and it's the headline I just described and it's all laid out nice. So that's Congratulations, you're a winner. Watch the video to to see your details about what you've won.
0: <laughs> I love it.
1: And then below that's the normal sales page, and you can ha- you know have that delay come in later, whatever. There's lots of options there on how to actually structurally do that, but that is something that we actually give as a download in the back end of some of our premium training.
0: This is fantastic. Well, Travis, I think that's as good a place as any to wrap up here because I know the next question for some people would be how can they check out your software, get in touch with you, and maybe run their own contest. So please, the floor
1: is yours. Sure. So, I mean, the tool that we actually have, again, is called Contest Domination. So, if you're just curious about the tool itself, you can go to contestdomination.com. But we've also put together quite a few training assets that are available. And so, there is some free training you can consume at ultimatecontestfunnel.com. So, there's a, an automated training there that you can consume sort of the the main tenants of what we talked about today, plus a little bit deeper. And then we do have some premium training available there as well. So if you want you know, the complete hand-holding A to Z type of experience, that's something that is available. But uh, the software itself, Condest Domination, has a completely free seven-day trial. It doesn't even require a credit card. So you can hop in there and tool around and kind of see what you think and see if you can understand the mechanics on, on how we built things and why we approached it a certain way. So yeah, those would be two great places to start. And then if anyone wants to get in touch with me personally, I suggest the tool first, but personally, I love Twitter. I know a lot of other marketers are kind of weird about Twitter, but I tend to love it. So if you want to get in touch with me on Twitter, it's just twitter.com slash Travis Ketchum. So I don't know if you want to throw a link in the show notes or something, but that's one of the most fun ways for me to interact with our audience, I think.
0: Awesome. No, I'll make sure that it's all in the show notes. And if anybody's listening, just go to tomworks.com slash podcast slash Travis dash Ketchum, and you'll be able to catch this exact podcast episode and all the show notes. But Travis, I did want to say thank you so much for your insights on this, for sharing contest domination with us and kind of your tips, tricks, and strategies around contests that can grow our businesses. So thank you for being on In the Trenches.
1: Of course, it's been my pleasure. Anytime we can help businesses actually move the needle, it's a good day. So I'm happy to be here. Awesome.
0: And that wraps up another broadcast of In the Trenches. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please do me a favor and go to slash itunes. That's T-O-M-M-O-R-K-E-S dot com slash iTunes and leave a rating and review for In the Trenches. Not only do I read and appreciate every review, but it helps spread the word of this podcast and allows me to continue to get on great guests. So thank you for your support, and I'll catch you on the next broadcast of In the Trenches.